We're continuing our sermon series entitled, How Firm a Foundation. Each week, we've been looking at a foundational truth of scripture and seeing how it relates to all of life. We've looked at the foundational truth of the sanctity of human life. We've looked at the foundational truth of creation, the sovereignty of God, absolute truth, and even the biblical doctrine of the fall of humanity. Today, we're gonna be looking at the foundational truth of Jesus, the only way to God. And to do so, we're going to look at a seminal passage familiar to many, I'm sure, in the Gospel of John chapter 14. Jesus had just finished the meal, the Last Supper. He is about to be betrayed and arrested. He's telling his disciples that he is about to depart from them and it throws them into a very distressed state. And they want to know, where are you going? You're leaving, we're staying, and we want to know the way. And these are the words of comfort that Jesus offers men whose lives have just been turned upside down losing their savior, their leader, their Messiah. These are the words that he chooses to share with them. John chapter 14, verses one through six. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have, not, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas, doubting Thomas, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, except through me. And the grass withers and the flower fades, but not the word of our Lord. The word of our Lord stands forever. Amen. Is it reasonable, is it rational, in the 21st century to believe that Jesus is the only way to God? Is it reasonable and rational in the 21st century to believe that Christianity is the only true religion. Now there's some of you here that have been walking for, with Jesus for years and you say, yes, pastor, I get it, I got it. I'm firmly convinced that Jesus is the only way to God. I'm firmly convinced that Christianity is the only true faith system. So what in the world would this message have for me? Well. In case you haven't noticed, things haven't been going swimmingly for the church in North America. Secularism on the rise, people getting us to doubt our belief system and our faith, trying to tell us that great, that's wonderful that you believe that on Sunday morning, but please don't bring that out in public. Keep your faith and your beliefs to yourself. And so if you are firmly convinced, I pray that you would be assured and encouraged yet again this morning of the importance of understanding why you believe what you believe. 
But maybe you're here this morning and you've rejected Christianity. Maybe you're here this morning and you doubt, just like Thomas doubted. I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're listening. But can I just challenge you for a few moments, can I get you to doubt your doubt? And ask the question, do I really understand what I've rejected and maybe what I doubt concerning Christianity? Here's the deal. There's no such thing as unbelievers. Everyone believes in something. There's believers and believers. Everyone here today and watching on at home, regardless of your faith system and your doctrinal stance, you believe in something. And I pray that today, as you hear about the message of Jesus and him alone, that you would be firmly convinced that Jesus is truly the only way to God and that the message offered in Christianity is the only reasonable and rational expression of true faith. So what is this claim? What is the claim of Christianity, one of the cardinal tenets, one of the key doctrinal truths that is so controversial and deemed by many as countercultural? Well, as I said, the context, Jesus is getting ready to depart Jesus says, I'm going up there and you're staying down here. And Thomas, who, as I said, is also referred to as Doubting Thomas, wants to know. Jesus, you talk about this as if we know where you're going. Where is this way? And it's interesting Jesus' response. Jesus responds in verse 6 by not only declaring that he is the only way to God, but he says, I'm also the truth and the life. Well, wait a second. Thomas just asked about the way. He didn't ask about the truth. He didn't ask about whether Jesus is the life. Why is this significant? Because there was many people all throughout redemptive history, certainly in the time of Jesus, that was claiming to be the way to God. Plenty of people claiming that they had the answers. So it would not have been enough for Jesus to simply say, I'm the way to God. Sure, stand in line, get in line. Jesus wanted to make it crystal clear that the only reason I have the authority to say that I am the only way to God is because I am not only a purveyor and teacher of truth, but I am truth incarnate. I have not just come to tell you about truth, I am truth in the flesh. The audacity of anyone to come and say, I am truth incarnate can only mean he is either an absolute liar or he is the very son of the living God. Jesus wanted to make it very clear that before I make this audacious claim that no one comes to the Father, that no one gets to heaven except through me, you need to understand who you are dealing with, the incarnation of God and the manifestation of truth. So Christianity, understandably so, gets people a little fired up. It ruffles some feathers because we are saying that not only is Jesus the only way to God, but that Christianity and the message that is offered in the Old and New Testament scriptures is the only true system of faith. The first thing I wanna talk about this morning is the objections. 
What are the objections to this idea that Jesus is the only way to God? Well, they're obvious, aren't they? I mean, all of a sudden you can understand by saying that Jesus is the only way to God and Christianity is the only true religion, the natural objection is you all, you Christians are arrogant and proud. I mean, for you to say that you have the corner on the truth, of course this is gonna create objections. And what the culture has done is it stigmatizes Christianity calling Christians primitive, uneducated, unsophisticated, and uses certain objections and axioms, and they use them so often that even Christians buy into the lie. Maybe there's something to this. Maybe we need to broaden our message. Maybe we need to soften the gospel. Maybe we need a message that's just a little more inclusive and not so hard and narrow. And this is what's interesting. One of the questions, and I'm sure you've seen this, or one of the objections, I'm sure you've heard this, uh, to Christianity and the exclusivity of Christianity is, well, after all, all religions are equally valid and teach the same thing. You've heard the illustration before that God's on the top of the mountain and This world religion goes up this way. This system of faith goes up another way. But at the end of the day, we're all climbing the same mountain. We just happen to get up the mountain different ways, but we're all chasing the same goal. Therefore, all religions are basically the same. Well, try telling that to a Hindu that believes in 300 million gods. Try telling somebody that follows Confucius that doesn't believe in a god at all. Try, believe, try saying that to some of the primitive religions that still believe in child sacrifice. It is silly and absurd to make the statement that all religions are the same because they are clearly not. But maybe you've heard this statement. All religions have part of the truth, but not the whole truth. You hear this all the time, that over the course of thousands of years, ancient religions have had a portion of the truth, but now in our sophisticated world and our sophisticated minds, we now have the whole truth, which what they only had in part. Listen, on the surface, all of these objections sound humble, don't they? It's the Christians that are arrogant and proud. It's those that take the posture that all religions are the same. Some religions have part of the truth, but we now have all of the truth. But listen to me. This is a false, a false that they are being humble. Actually, it is the epitome of hubris. It is the epitome of arrogance because what they are saying is we actually have the whole picture. We actually have all of the truth and you throughout the ages have only had a portion of the truth, but we actually now in the 21st century sit in the seat of authority. We sit in the seat of truthful knowledge. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. You see, the reality is everyone, regardless of what you believe in, has an exclusive faith. Everyone claims some level of exclusivity. Even the person that says there's no such thing as absolute truth is making an absolute claim that somehow they have surveyed all truth of all world religions 
And they somehow have arrived to the position that they are able to make the declaration and the claim that there's no absolute truth. It's the epitome of arrogance and pride. The real question is not who believes in truth and who doesn't believe in truth. Everybody believes in some level of exclusive truth. The real question in the face of objections is which exclusive truth claim has the most merit. The second thing I want us to look at this morning is not only the objections to Christianity, but then therefore what makes Christianity so unique. If it is true that Christianity is the only true faith system, what is the argument for Christianity? Well, we need to understand the spectrum to understand what makes Christianity so unique. On the one hand, you have world religion in general. World religion teaches that there are a set of tenets, that there are a set of rules, that if you abide by them and achieve them well enough, you can be saved. That you can somehow achieve your version of the afterlife by simply adhering to these tenets. That's world religion on the one hand. On the other hand, we have secularism, which preaches a message of tolerance. Just ask, the, just ask the lecturers that came to Yale University this past week that were shouted down because of their faith. And isn't it ironic in our culture that we have the reverse, that now no longer is it the lecturer who's speaking up, but now it's the students that are speaking up and the lecturers are being escorted out. I digress. But this is the way of secularism in our culture. But both, do not miss this, what I'm about to say, both world religion in general and secularism that says, believe whatever you want to believe, are both arrogant, prideful, and intolerant because they believe fundamentally that you can somehow achieve success or salvation or freedom, either by adhering to these set of tenets or believing whatever you want to believe, as long as it feels right to you. But do not miss that those that are claiming that Christianity is too narrow or too arrogant or too prideful actually have it in reverse. It is actually those that believe that you can somehow attain salvation on your own or believe whatever you want to believe as long as it makes you happy they are the epitome of pride and arrogance and intolerance. But in the face of both world religion and secularism, there is another way. And it is the way of Christianity. Because Christianity is the end of religion. Because it is Christianity and Christianity alone that says, no, you do not climb up the ladder to God. But in fact, God has come down for train wrecks and sinners like you and like me. It is Christianity alone being the end of world religion that said it is by grace alone. So I ask you, which is the more humble position to say in, as the world religions say you can achieve salvation or as secularism says you can believe whatever you wanna believe or to believe in a God that had to come down because we were so messed up. 
and offers himself by grace alone. It is the message that salvation is by grace alone that makes Christianity unique. Religion says I have the truth and I can be saved by performing that truth. Christianity declares to us that the truth has come down in the person of Jesus Christ to set us free. We don't have to live well enough to be saved. In fact, Jesus lived perfectly and died and rose again so that we might have life to the full, both now and forevermore. See, this is the message of Christianity. And when you boil it down, ultimately this world provides us with only two options, only two truth claims when you boil it all down. Either your salvation is achieved by your efforts and your merits and your performance, or Your salvation is achieved through the efforts and merits and performance of Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of avoiding truth claims. It's a matter of adhering to the truth claim that actually makes sense and offers real hope. Isn't it amazing that in this moment in John 14, In their moment of distress, needing a word of comfort, Jesus does not look at the disciples and says, believe whatever you want to believe. As long as it brings you comfort, as long as it makes you happy, he tells them the most exclusive message this world has ever heard. Why? Because he understood they didn't need to hear what they wanted to hear. They needed the only thing that could bring them true rescue. Students, college students, you are about to be confronted with professors that will critique you and condemn you and judge you for believing in Jesus Christ. And they will convince you that you need to soften your message, broaden your message, somehow backpedal on the message. Do not fool for it. It is the most humble posture to say, I am a Christian and I am saved by his grace alone. Do not back down because this world needs you to be a light in the midst of the darkness. And isn't it amazing the result? You would think if you were to listen to the world that if you preach this narrow message, nobody's gonna follow you. What happens to the church in the first century? It explodes. The world is turned upside down in a moment. You have women worshiping with men. You have Jews worshiping with Gentiles. And we are told that prostitutes and tax collectors are streaming towards the kingdom of God. The exclusive message of Christianity produces the world's most radical, inclusive community where all sinners are welcomed, that whosoever believes in him will not die, but have everlasting life. Isn't it amazing that at the same time, the gospel is the most exclusive message that you were saved through Jesus alone, but it produces a radical inclusivity that all are welcomed who confess the name of Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Do you know this one who came and said there is salvation offered nowhere else but through the name of Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Have you been saved by him? You say, pastor, but I'm not religious. I got good news. Neither was Jesus. 
It was actually the religious that condemned Jesus. It was actually the religious that put Jesus on the cross. It was the religious that booed when Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I want you to be saved and I wanna eat with you tonight. So if you're not religious, I've got good news for you. You can enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ and he is the one that offers full freedom and full mercy for the mom and dad that have blown it, for the marriages that are on the rocks, for the people that are going through life with no purpose and no direction. Maybe you're here this morning and you're towards the end of your life. And you say, I've never really been serious about this God thing. It is never too late to come home. Zacchaeus, sinners, tax collectors, the prostitutes fleeing for the kingdom of God. In just a few moments, I'm gonna pray. And maybe this is the first time you've ever prayed. It's intimidating, I get it. But I'm gonna simply lead us in a prayer and for the first time you can talk to God in your, right where you're sitting. We're not gonna make you come forward. You don't even have to raise your hand. Right where you're sitting, you can talk to God and simply say, I am ready to come home. I'm a sinner that's ready to receive your grace. Monty Williams who's the current head coach of the Phoenix Suns. In 2016, he lost his wife in a tragic car accident. I think he was the assistant coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder at the time. Bonnie Williams has five children. It rocked his community, it rocked his family. But Monty Williams is a believer in Jesus Christ. And so when it came time for the funeral, he felt obligated to stand before the, the crowd that had gathered to declare his testimony that we are grieving, but we have hope in Jesus Christ. And he announced to those that were gathered, I wanna thank you on behalf of my family, the outpouring of love, the cards, the meals, the phone calls have been overwhelming, but I need you to stop because we're not the ones that need hope right now. I need you to pray for the woman that drove her car into my wife's car and took her life. She's the one that's hurting. I need you to commit to pray for her and her family. They are desperate and they are in utter despair. I need you to stop praying for me and I need you to go love that family. Greg Popovich, another NBA coach and who makes no claim to being a Christian said this, I cannot believe a human being could be that loving and that gracious. I am lost for words. What gives you and I the power to face this life, to face the trial? What gives you and I love like that, that the world is left speechless? It is the exclusive claim that we have encountered Jesus Christ and him alone. And may we as the people of God here at Coral Ridge never buy the lie that we need to soften the message or water down the message or give the world a skinny gospel, but give them the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as the only hope for sinners, as the only hope for a broken world. And what turned the world upside down 2,000 years ago, we would believe by faith that God will continue to do so by those men and women and boys and girls who boldly preach that Jesus is the only way and the truth and the life, amen? Let's pray.
our Father and our God, Lord, as we come to the table, Lord, I pray that we would remember that there's only one reason for why you look down upon us with favor. It's because we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Lord, for those that have abandoned the idea and the lie of self-righteousness, may today be a day of comfort and assurance, regardless of what they're facing, that they are firmly secured in the good news that Jesus is for them and not against them. But if there is someone here today or watching at home or maybe listening later that has tried every self-improvement project, may they stop and surrender today and embrace that the exclusive message of Christianity that declares that through Jesus alone they can be saved is their only hope in life and death. May they simply say these words, Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I lay down my life. I'm tired and I'm weary. But now I know today for the first time I no longer have to climb up, but you've come down. You've left your throne. You've even taken the form of a servant and laid down your life. I receive you, not by anything I could ever earn, but by the free gift of salvation as it's found in Jesus Christ. I believe, take my burden, take my shame, take my sin. I receive your salvation. Cleanse me and clothe me in your righteousness. Now, and forevermore. Amen.